Welcome to MS Podcast. In today's podcast, I finally have somebody that finally came back and returned to do another collaboration with me. It's collaboration week this week. And that will be somebody that I know from, I was doing contracts somewhere else that happens. And his name is Josh. And we had a great conversation uh, last time about leadership and in particular, his daughter. So I want to know more about what's going on with your daughters and her um, inspiring uh, YouTube influencer um, goal. But first, yeah. hi, Josh. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, Emma. How are you doing? Just another day in paradise here. So excited to have you back, actually. Um, it has been quite some time. We have not... Uh, talk and you have been busy I have been busy but finally we found some time to catch up so how was Thanksgiving first good had a good sense Thanksgiving yeah it was pretty relaxing right Thanksgiving this the we didn't have to drive all over the place and we weren't oh, you nice. know trying to travel too much so we just went uh, a little ways and spent it with some close family and uh and dogs uh, and cats and it was oh. it was very nice and relaxing how was yours Oh, uh, it, it was interesting. Let's put it this way. Uh, we're going to leave it at interesting. All but, right. Uh, uh, the dogs are fine. Now you said dogs. Did you get a dog? I did not get a dog. So my aunt, okay. uh, whose house we were at, she has been a cat person for, well, since I you know met her when I was a baby. Uh, she has uh, had cats. And at one point, I think she was up to 13 cats. <gasps> oh, my God. All very well taken care of, right? <laughs> okay. So she's not like the crazy cat lady who you are tripping over, you yeah. know, cats yeah. all over the place. <laughs> These were all uh, purebred, like really very well oh, taken wow. care of cats. And so we were very surprised to learn that she was suddenly interested in getting a dog. So she has a brand new, I want to say, six-month-old Whippet puppy. Very cute. What Very is sweet. that? Whippet? What is that? Whippet. Uh, they look like a normal dog who got stretched. Basically, they're very long, right? They're very, they're, they're very pointy. It's kind of think think like a miniature greyhound, I guess. So okay, so it's a miniature greyhound. Okay, because I have never heard about that. So that must be an interesting. So is it going to be a full dog or is it going to be a small dog version? Of There's, it? I believe whippets are still small, right? So they look okay. very similar to a greyhound. They have the same sort of sleek, yeah. uh, athletic running dog look to them, but I don't think that they get as big as a greyhound traditionally does. Oh, so. nice. Well, yeah, because yeah, wow. So it's still okay. So how did girls reacted when they saw the dog oh they knew it going in like we had to because we were getting there close to the time that we were eating and we didn't want them immediately just freaking out and not coming down to eat so yeah. they were good with it they, they were they were very sweet and and uh they were calm for the most part that was the the big ask going in was that hey guys just be cool <laughs> just be calm don't freak out the uh, my, my aunt's cats are very skittish around other people, right? She yeah. lives alone. So she, yeah. the, the cats have always, uh, most of them have always been sort of run and hide type cats. And the dog is definitely not a run and hide type dog. So we just wanted them to kind of keep the energy manageable. Yes. You do not want uh, hell break loose in the middle of the house. The, the cat's going straight to the walls. And the That's right. And, yeah. I know because 
when I had my cats, that was the same thing. It was just like, I did not have that many people coming in because I wanted this house to be a sanctuary, not, uh, you know, uh, you know, coming out like a restaurant. So I made sure that the cats will not see that many people. So every time somebody came in, they would run, you know, and hide. And after five minutes, they will show up and observing who are you what do you want what are you doing in the house <laughs> and that was it but for the dog is different mac is still welcoming people and daddy is still defending her territory so <laughs> i have a free alarm system called daddy <laughs> that's awesome it's <laughs> not changed yeah you see the girl she she has come down a lot too bad we should have um, a run showing up here and see how you will do. Compared <laughs> to last time when you got scared. But no, they come down. They're going to be like three years old next year. So, okay. So back to your daughter. How is she doing with her, um, her adventure of uh, recording? Um, you know, wanted to be on the, t- on the YouTube channel and her recording and the videos. What is she up to now? So she, I mean, she, we've had a lot of discussions about what type of, you know, vlogger or whatever it is that she decides she wants to do. What type of content content does she want to produce? Because we, we variously find her watching stuff that we look at and they go, and we go, wow, I can't believe that she's actually spending her time (laughs) willingly doing that. Uh, And then we, then we find stuff that we can hear from the other side of the house and it's like hollering, like knock that off. It's just people screaming, right? There's the people playing video games and mostly just screaming at the top of their lungs. So trying to, trying to talk her through the thought process of what do you want to put out into the world? Right. What, what part of yourself do you want to put out there? Because as soon as you establish yourself in one thing, not that you can't move from thing to thing, but that's what you're going to be known for. That's what the, when you start to establish a following around something, you want to, do it intentionally, right? So that you're you're yes. moving in a direction that you want to go and that you're yeah. not just getting pulled in the direction that maybe your fans want you to go, right? You're you're not just getting constantly influenced by the next hottest thing, which I think is sort of the maybe the default culture uh, of a lot of young people producing content these days is they're just chasing the the piece that is, you know, maybe not them, uh, maybe is just what's going to get them followers. That's, you know, that's one of the biggest problems that you, you can see is even the current generation, uh, not even, yeah, your daughter, you know, you're at least starting to teach her to things before she put things out there, which is, I think, is very thoughtful. But yeah, majority of people were looking more for how many followers can I get because I want to be popular. And if the content is that poor, yeah, it's going to make you popular but for the wrong thing. And if you, you know, if you already want to afterwards show your true self, then it makes it impossible to, to do that. Or people will never believe that, oh, that person has a brain, but that wasn't the case before. So we're not interested in the content, what she's want or he wants to put out. So did she has been working on anything lately that's interesting or... Um... She tends to, so she likes to, uh, I think most of what she sees herself doing initially is uh, talking people through video games that she's playing, right? The, that's kind of the the bulk of the the um, YouTube content that she watches is revolves around video games in some respect. 
Um, and I think that the bulk of the videos that she produces, I don't see all of them necessarily. She has a private, she's a little bit too young to be putting out, you know, mainline content without an adults, you know, actually in there and producing. Right. So right now, uh, she's making her own videos, just sort of practicing, uh, with a private account, uh, just posting, not for anybody, literally just for herself, uh, and posting content to kind of get herself out there. Uh, and it just, We've, we've been coming down to the pointed question of why do you want to do it, right? When when we're looking at what type of content she wants to put out there, talking her through, thinking through what type of content she wants to put out there, it's around why are you doing it, right? If you can answer why you're doing it, what part of yourself you want to put out there, that then leads you to a much better idea of the, you know, the, the creation piece of that, I guess the, it helps feed that creation piece instead of just going with whatever she just saw or whatever okay. is hottest. So how many much gray hair you and your wife got since then? <laughs> all <sleep>. gray hair. <laughs> all. It's or all turned. Nights yeah. thinking, okay, how are we going to get through to her? Because the other thing in the hardest part is, is, okay, she's a young kiddo and okay she might not have all of her things together because she's just growing and maturing and you know she's a kid so it must be interesting as a parent to sit down afterward and just thinking i think i need a cocktail honey (laughs) because this is like oh my god (laughs) yeah she the she of all of our children is definitely the one where every time we turn around it's always something uh new that we're chasing after so it's been uh been an adventure and we'll we'll see where she lands i don't necessarily know that um she's ready to to start putting out a lot of her own content right but she's doing all of those practice moves she's working herself through the motions so that by the time she is mature enough to put out content that is responsible uh that uh she'll have it down and and won't uh be going through those growing pains hopefully live with other people watching and that's, uh, I think that's going to be the challenge for her to understand and make the distinction. Like uh, when I do podcasts, what's going on in my private life that doesn't transpire into uh, my public life. And that's something that she needs to be taught. So I have a feeling you and your wife are going to make sure that it's happening this way and not a different way, which is good because there's a lot of things you don't want this out there. And you can maybe tell your story in a way that um, will inspire others without, uh, you know, making it a, sh- uh, a show that you don't want later on who are regrets to have this posted. So that's, that's exact, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, I, I think you'd look around and you see some content and, and of course we've probably, most of us have, have run across stories where, you see people putting out something that turns out to be very fake and not at all what they are yeah. behind yeah. the scenes, right? Yeah. Uh, and and you don't want that. You don't you don't want to put on so rosy a picture and then all of a sudden have it come out because I think that the the world has a way of finding out you know the truth about things. It's your the truth is going to come to light at some point. Well, so you want always want to be authentic. Exactly, and keep your like I always said, you keep your private life private and whatever you public uh, you're pushing out there yeah don't make it fake because you're going to be nailed one way or the other there was always somebody with a camera who's going to get you caught and it's like yeah 
you know, I went to my Rolls Royce and life is good. I'm like, no, you did not. You just sit down on the Rolls Royce. I wasn't used to stop with, but we saw you going with your beat up car, driving away from the parking lot and everybody got it. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't help. How many of those, you know, rappers you have seen or, or, or uh, um, that, you know, the upcoming one who like, I am coming out of my airplane. I'm like, really? <laughs> Get caught later on because it's not true. And I'm like, Please don't do that. Be authentic, you know, be where you are and where you need to be. They don't fake it because like you said, they're going to get um, cut sooner or later. So, well, I'm glad to hear she continues to um, to be on her trajectory. And she's really, it seems like she's really determined to, yeah. uh, to do that. So maybe you thought you guys felt it was maybe a phase, but I have a feeling she's going to do something pretty cool. <laughs> you have no choice. Yep. That's... Uh... <laughs> That's not a phase any longer, right? It it could have been a phase, and it very clearly is not a phase. So, no, it's and not. and that's great. She's found something that she can really latch on to and loves. And as long as we can help keep her keep her on the right course, right, and 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 put up some guardrails around the stuff that and the I, fast I, that we know. I think, yeah, I think until she hate, uh, she she had the mark of the twenty twenty one years old. I think you guys gonna have to help her and guide her because. Uh, if she decides to put contents in maybe in a year or two and start to develop that, then it would be great. But she's going to expand it because she's not, if, he, if she starts with the video game, and I don't want to do a reading on her, but this is what I'm going to say, that she's going to expand to something else. So she will be yeah. more... Uh, visible and she's going to do more creative content because she's a creative girl she has an imagination I think that's amazing and she's constantly I think thinking and get things going like there is no tomorrow which is amazing because she's pretty good at what she does when she focuses on things she's very good technologically speaking uh, she could be on the front of the camera and do a producing in the back too that's yeah. what I see with her. She's very, very good. So she, I love the fact that she's multitask and she's not a one-trick pony. So she could, in the near future, maybe on the front of the camera or producing like, you know, you never know, movies or anything like that or short films that she can develop. So it would be nice to have her going into the arts world and learn these kind of things. I don't know what she wants to do at school, but she could do that direction too. And we're just, as long as she makes all the money, we're totally fine with oh, whatever yeah, she chooses to do, right? right? You're Some... going to the right carpet with the wife and waving and say, hey, and I see where I'm at. I mean, Hollywood. That's <laughs> right. Daddy needs a retirement home here. Exactly. So... Yes, I agree. She's going to work hard for this one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but this is great to know that she continues to uh, be inspired and want to do that. I think to me is amazing. And um, it's amazing that you guys are supporting her along the way because not that many parents are doing this or they're very minimum because, you know, you you want your children to go to school, you want them to have a great job. But when you have a child that is creative, that is not working the same path than anybody else's, then instead then butting head with the child, you at least, you know, even though probably... (laughs) the gray hair are all hers because of her is you give that inspiration to just say okay let's see what she's gonna do and you're supporting her along the way which i think it's a great thing to do because you're not to, I'm, I'm sorry go ahead and finish your no, thought no, there no no go ahead 
I, I was just going to say, and, and not to go on too big of a tangent, but I think that that might be n- not that every, I mean, every generation I think feels like, you know, they're so much more, uh, you know, open or different than their parents were. Right. And, and perhaps there's some element of that, right. We've progressively gotten more open and opener and opener. Uh, but I feel like right now, or at least with, with our kids, I mean, I, when, when I was growing up, I didn't listen to the same music my parents did unless they were there. Right. It wasn't like I was just turning on the, you know, the, the beach boys and, and, and rocking out, you know, throwing on the roller skates and ripping around the basement. Um, we weren't doing that, uh, in the same ways that I think that a lot of today's generation listens to a lot of the music, right? There, there's a lot of similarity in taste, not necessarily universally. Of course, there's, there's plenty of, of cases that are go the other way, but there, there's a, a much closer relationship to the types of things that we see and do. So the, we by default see some of the content that they're watching. Uh, and so it's not quite as alien to us. Uh, and I think that that's a good thing because we can help, um, usher them through some of those trickier bits, uh, of figuring out who they are in relation to the things that they see and want to do. Uh, and, and we have a better, uh, vantage point to look and see where the pitfalls might be coming up for them. So we're in some ways lucky in this generation with the amount of technology that's there. Uh, yes. With all of the challenges that it presents, it's also uh, quite a blessing in that we are much closer to our children and, and have a better idea of what they're going through. It's not a secret. No, it's not. And you don't, leave, yeah, you don't feel the separation or, you know, the gap in between the generation, but also making sure that because of social media and because of, you know, um, well, in the old days, we didn't have computers, we didn't have that technology. But it is such a pitfall and being able to help your children to navigate that world because they have no clue. They see things, but they don't realize that there is more behind it. And the consequences to make maybe some videos that maybe should not go out there uh, could be detrimental to them as well. Because if like she's a creative person, but there may be some stuff that you know, she's maybe going to create. And if you guys are there to guide her, maybe you're going to look at some of them and say, I don't think so on this one. Maybe we need to sit this one on the side and take something else or redirect her in the manners that would be beneficial for her. Maybe she's not going to get it right away, but maybe later on she will understand that some of the stuff that didn't went on the air was for a good reason. I mean, remember when you and I messed up when we were young, we could just move to a different town and start over and everything was fine. Uh, I mean, the internet's probably going to get to Mars about the same time we do. So I don't think they're going to have too much, too many places that they can go that this stuff doesn't follow them right now. Right. So it's a much higher stakes game these days. Oh, absolutely. And I think to, you know, um, since people are using more and they will bully you online or they will mock you or do anything ridiculous or you being ridiculed for something very simple, I think it could um, hurt or damage more a child too, because it is pretty harsh. There is some children who are being bullied via social media, even if they did not do anything, but it's very um, damaging to them. So it's nice to be able to shelter um, and being able to help them as she's learning more to master. Yeah, that. but I'm, I'm keeps me keeps me young. So oh heck yes, because you have no job. 
does. And the reality, then she goes around looking at some of the stuff that you probably did not thought she would be looking at either. She's probably like, holy crap, she's like 10 steps in front of me. <laughs> that's like, a fact. Yeah, that's that's very interesting too. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> so, but that's good. But as I said, I still have some of the goodies here for her so she can uh, utilize what I've got here when you come and pick it up and utilize it and continue with her videos and stuff like that. So the equipment wise, is she's using a very simple video or what is the deal? Because as she moves forward, what are you going to do with equipment wise for the video? Because if she's recording um, video game and stuff like that, how does it work for her? So the, the most professional setups, right? Uh, the, uh, the, I have seen at least in the videos that I have seen typically do have a camera on the recorder, right? So yeah. they, they, it's a multi-camera system. So you're showing your screen. You might have uh, even more than one camera, but there's at least a camera on you and then, then you as the, the subject of the video or the narrator or whatever it happens to be that you're doing uh, will oftentimes appear down in one of the corners of the video, right? So okay. that's how you engage your audience and, and you sort of develop that visual following. Uh, but when you're in a, a, you know, a relatively small space that is not these, you know, kids who have already, I guess the hardest part is explaining to her that you're seeing these people, at least the good ones, you're seeing them at their best, right? Yep. And you're always going to look at yourself and compare yourself at worst, but you also have to be realistic about what you can offer as you're building up, because a lot of these people have already made a significant amount of income and continue to make significant amounts yeah. of income because of this. Uh, so they own a house, right? This might be like four buddies who just turned 18 and yeah. already own a million dollar home and are just throwing money around. And you need to understand why they are where they are and know that they went through an awful lot to get there. It's not just the, the you know, the I guess, happy reality that you see constantly. There's a lot of work up to that point. So you also need to look at where you're starting out in a cramped home, right? Yeah. With a lot of other people yeah. and you don't have a space that looks like they look. So, or, or you know, some of your idols spaces look. So you yeah. also need to, to figure out a way to do the videography part of this in a way that isn't uh, violating uh, privacy for other people in the family, right? You can't just have yes. camera on constantly walking around the house and suddenly, you know, somebody walks out of the shower and everything is, you <laughs> know, chaos, right? Exactly. We're, oh, are we live? Whoops. Yeah. Uh, so you gotta, oh. you gotta be a little bit careful about that. So right now she's just using a phone, right. To, to do her videos. Uh, okay. and she's, she's the, her practice mode that she's in right now is more about, the commentary that she's providing than her physical video, but the, eventually the video will be a part of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the other thing too is when you start, those guys are now comfortable with who they are and more comfortable in front of the video. They have the mic they need to use. So when she's studying it, you have to have the practice on how you talk. Then when you're confident and you can talk forever, like I do my podcast now, even when I go and I talk to people or even do interviews, which is funny, actually, if I do any interviews or anything like that, oh, I can take forever. I'm like very comfortable, but people don't realize that and it took practice for me to get where I am today. So same thing when she's going to do the video, the first few videos, she, well, at least she's practicing, which is mean when she's going to go live she will not feel like it's the first day she did the video. 
But if she picked up the first video she did, saved it and listened again compared to where she is today, there is a huge difference on the way she's talking. So it takes a lot of practice to do yeah. that and be comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's interesting, your point uh, of that. So in this case, because she's underage, um, let's say if next year she said to you, okay, dad, I want to release a content. Would you allow her to show her face or not? Because she's no. underage. Yeah, because she's underage. Uh, we're at least my uh, feeling about it. And, and, and certainly my wife feels the same way. But the I always cringe a little bit when I look at some of the content that's created by uh, or with an underage person sort of being the primary person on camera. Right. Yeah. There, there's a, an extent to that, which is fine when it's highly produced. But the the type of production and the type of content that she's looking at right now uh, feels very much more like you're inviting people into a private space than you are out there producing. Right. Okay. It's not yeah. you. You're it, you're not on a set or in a house that could be a set for for everything that's there. Um, the house isn't the main point of what you're doing. The 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 physical you know appearance isn't the main point of what you're doing. The subject of what you're putting out there is really the video game, and your commentary, audio commentary, is really all that matters at this point. So I, I'm very protective of her wanting to put out uh, herself on video until she does at least um, reach. I mean, there there's probably where we do have a maybe of a little bit of a difference in our generation, right. Is that there there's very little that we can do probably at some point to, to protect them entirely. Once they're well into their teenage years, they're probably going to be much more, um, much more inclined to, to, you know, be on video in, the, in ways yeah. that just, we didn't have, right. It wasn't that, I mean, it was the equivalent would have been being on stage in in productions or something that you're out there in the public eye. So I'm very reluctant, I guess, uh, at this point to let her go physically on camera, uh, I would yeah. uh, limit her to audio at this I point. Will, and uh, I want her to have done hundreds of videos by the time she's actually putting out content, you know? Exactly. Exactly. She needs the practice and not only this, but yes, I agree with you protecting your children and, uh, for what she need to intend it to do right now is the best. And I think it's the wisest decision. You don't want a child to be on a video for anything and you don't want any, uh, yeah, you want you want her to release what she wants to release without showing her face, and she doesn't need to show her face right away either. So that should be just fine. But yes, I agree. When they come to teenagers, uh, I think a lot of them. It depends when you are like 16, 17, then you're okay. And she if she has to practice, and she wants you know because you guide are uh, are gonna guide her during that journey, then she will be probably more conscious of what she's going to put out there when her face is going to be out there as well, because she's going to have to understand you becoming a public figure, no matter if, you know, you have two followers or million or 10 million followers, but it will have to be more mindful on what she wants to put out as well. So yep. that should be interesting. I'm curious yeah. what else she's going to do, because I don't think she's going to stick only to the video games. I think she's going to expand it to some. <laughs> Yeah, shaking your head like, yeah, she's gonna do something else. Video, video games is what she has access to right now. She can play video games yeah. and, and comment on them. So when she, you know, makes her first million uh, off of those videos and yeah. and she buys something into something else, I'm the the content that she ultimately creates. I don't see her sticking in that space either, right? I think it's gonna be, 
um, something much more creative because she has a lot of energy. Exactly. That's why she, yeah, she's a creative kid. So she's going to do great things, but it's just to get her there and get her the basics and the base for her, the foundation for her to utilize this for whatever she's going to do when she's making a hundred million dollars and you get your uh, nice castle going and wave at everybody and just say, Hey, I got my returning house here. Hey, I'm enjoying it. But you're going to, you know, Give her the foundation because one of the things that I see in the younger generation is the parents, because you guys are really, I don't want to say over, uh, overly protective of your children's, but at least you're putting the thoughts to how to help them so they don't do it behind your back, releasing stuff they are not supposed to and, you know, do these kind of things, but encouraging them to go into the direction, even though we're, sh- we're shaking our heads, like, oh my God, are you serious? But they're like, okay, let's go and see how it, how far they're gonna go with it. But encouraging uh, her and give her the base and the skill sets for her. That to me is one of the, the bestest key that most parents don't have the time or don't know how to do it. But you guys seems like you're working, you know, in tandem, the two of you to just get her what she needs to get um, for her own self and her creativity. So I think it's a good thing. It's it's balancing too, right? I got to get rid of my biases to some of the things that she wants to do, right? And and let her make some of those, you know, decisions and mistakes uh, on her own that aren't, you know, and world ending mistakes. Uh, so. Well, hopefully it will not, you know, you know, you all make, we all make our mistakes. That's how we learn. And I think it will not be those huge mistakes. And it's just like said, you go to the witness program afterward when you're done to release something you're not supposed to, like you said, that will haunt you down until the last day you're breathing. But I think it's a, it's a great way. So I was just curious to know where she was with all of that and how you guys are doing with, you know, her moving into it and it's nice to hear that she's doing more practice which is awesome because i think practice will help her and when she's going to release her first video then she would be in better shape than if somebody else is brand new just started their first video and never had any training and any you know practice or anything else she will already have that which is great that will that would be even help her to get um, listeners and people watching it because I'm sure the first one day those guys released it will probably awful. So hers will not. Hers will be just fine. <laughs> you will be getting the equipment afterwards and upgrading, like I did with my podcast and stuff. Like I started with one microphone and I moved it to better microphone afterwards for the podcast, which now when you're listening compared to the beginning, you can hear the, the sound being better just because. You know, as you practice and become better at better at it, then you're like, okay, I need a better microphone at this point. <laughs> so the voice is not totally weird. <laughs> so let's do that. But that's good. That's good. So other than that, how's leadership going? How's everything going? Because we talked about leadership last time. What else do you got for us? What do you like to talk about this time around? You know, I think that one of the things that is uh, on a lot of leaders' minds at the end of the year, right? This is the time of year where we're coming into a lot of performance reviews. A lot of places yes. are doing performance yes. reviews at year end. Uh, a lot of businesses choose if they are going to be reducing their workforce. A lot of reductions happen around year end, right? So this is yeah. this is there. There's all sorts of things swirling for most leaders, and of course, in many 
instances, it's also one of the busiest times of the year, certainly in a lot of uh, retail situations or in a lot of um, you know, companies that that operate uh, on a fiscal year that matches the calendar year, right? This is the big time, right? December tends to be one of the biggest times. So you got all of this stuff swirling around as a leader and how do you responsibly balance all of that? And especially if you're in a situation where you're dealing with reductions in workforce, how do you do that in a uh, responsible and humane uh, way, right? How do you treat your people well uh, and not do it in in a fake way, right? Not not um, not t- you know for people who are underperforming in particular, right? And this is not something that I've had to deal with uh, underperformance. I've been certainly blessed uh, to have a high performing team, but that doesn't always mean that you won't be facing something, right? There's many things that are out of your control as a leader in the organization, uh, and you may have to make decisions that impact people who you don't necessarily feel deserve uh, some of those impacts. And how do you, how do, you do that uh, in a kind way uh, and support people through changes? Because all of us are going through changes no matter what, right? No matter what industry we're in, unless it's horse and buggy and you've pretty much got it down <laughs> pat and it's not changing a whole lot. Um, we should go back to the horse and buggy actually because some days it's like, oh my God. Donkey donkeys with pots on the sides, right? Yes. Yeah, I think we I think we could yeah. go back to some of that stuff and, and get used to it again for a little while. Yeah, um, yeah it's it, the, I think that that's on a lot of leaders' minds right now is is how do we support our people through year end? It's been another hard year with COVID. Um, that we're all pretty weary of of a lot of the things that we've gone through over the past two years. So there's there's a lot of mental health and and. Uh, you know, stuff that just we didn't have to think about uh, or we weren't in the mode to think about nearly as much uh, prior to two years ago. So crazy, crazy year end times uh, are what I think a lot of us are facing. So let me ask you that question because you talk about force reduction and, you know, how do you handle mentally? Because I think this is one of the hardest part when um, I had a conversation with somebody who contacted me today from an old company that I used to work quite a long time ago. And uh, we were talking about, you know, when you have, um, you have to reduce the amount of people and because you're a leader in a position of leadership, so you know who's going to be gone and you have to keep it quiet. How do you balance the stress to try to keep everything quote unquote normal and how do you not let get to you? Because this is, I think, one of the hardest things when you have, like you said, you have a high performance team, but maybe on that team, then you're going to have to let someone go, even though if it's not your decision, you're going to be the one who's going to have to deliver it. How do you handle the stress and how can you keep it together where you can feel your team go to work, feeling the stress, then there's going to be a reduction. They feel like, okay, we're like sitting ducks and keep them the moral uh, positive. How do you handle that? Seriously, that's the question I want to know because I'm like, oh God, I would be drinking, but that would be me. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard. So how do you yeah. do that? How do you handle that? Well, I mean, everybody is uh, to, to a more or lesser extent, you know, has, has different challenges with this. Um, mm-hmm. I think that what I find myself doing is compartmentalizing, right? I might know or have an inkling, right? It's, it, it may not even know 
the exact details of what's coming down because oftentimes a lot of that is coming from uh, even higher up. Yeah. Uh, and you may not be the one making all of those decisions either. Yeah. Uh, but to compartmentalize that out and if you're a good leader, you've been working with your people all along to grow their skills, right? You've been getting closer to them. You've been genuine with them so that you've got not, if not a close, like, personal friendship with them. You've got a, a, a close mentor and mentee mm-hmm. relationship with them. And you know, hopefully some of their aspirations, right? Cause there's very few people probably who don't have a next step after what they're doing today, right? We're, yeah. we're, we've moved out of a, uh, a time period where most people will spend 40, 50, 60 years at the same job and then retire. Lucky so them. almost yeah, right. <laughs> because I never. Oh my that. goodness! I know some people do. Us, Ron. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, for people who don't know. We're not going to give his last name, otherwise he's going to be singing the Beatles for us forever. But he has been there forever, and he always made me laugh. The first time I met him, I'm like, holy moly! I don't know how you know. I don't know because I've never been that long in in a job position. I always moved on to something else, but he has been there forever. So sorry. Yep. Yeah. No. And I mean, most people have that next step. And even, even folks like Ron, right. Who might have been in this role for a long time. And even if they're facing down retirement, there's not a whole lot of people these days who can just retire and move off to a desert Island somewhere and not do a thing, right. They're still going to be volunteering. They're still going to be putting their, uh, you know, innate talents to use in yeah. something, or at least the people who, who need to stay sane are, right? I don't know that there's too many people who could just literally let it all go and do nothing but lay around and listen to audiobooks. It sounds wonderful on paper, but then, you know, you turn around <laughs> and you're going to get bored after a week. So yes. I, th- I think that if you know some of those goals, right, or even if they haven't told you specifically, but you're you have an eye for their talents, right? And maybe yeah. it's even something that they're not using. They're not really exercising those muscles in what they're doing right now, helping them to find that next step before the impact comes, right? So if you can be subtly preparing them for those changes, most people will pick up on that, right? If they, And if you've been honest with them, right? That you know change is coming. We can't share specifics, even if yeah. we know them, right? Uh, but most people hopefully have gotten past the panic and are in the mode of thinking critically about, okay, what would I do next if something comes? And every company is going to be different, right? Companies that have the ability to provide a, a, a you know, a really wonderful severance, mm-hmm. give those folks a, a, a bit more of a safety net to, to make some of those changes. So in cases like that, it's probably a lot easier to, to work with those folks and, and know that they at least have something there right and and keeping that close relationship with them you can look around you can you can you know network uh, and you know provide them opportunities and paths uh, and do that if you're in a situation where you don't have that right uh, yeah. if your company is not uh, that far advanced and it's going to be a two-week notice and that's it they get nothing after that that's a much harder situation and I think that you have to as a leader, balance out helping them as a person versus helping them as their boss, right? You need to really carefully consider is what the company doing humane, 
and humane is probably the wrong word in there, but are, is the company being responsible with the talent that they have brought on? And could I, as their direct manager, do something a little bit more above and beyond to help them into that next role? Because people will remember that, right? Even if you never work with that person again, they will remember later mm-hmm. in life that, wow, that, you know, that was a rough go, but... Yeah. And that my boss was a phenomenal person. Like you're, you're impacting somebody's lives and, and whether or not, you know, that that's going to go around, right? Yes, it does. So that's why now how, because you said you compartmentalize, oh my God, I was able to say the word. I will not repeat it again. Nice. I will not say that again because I have a feeling I'm not going to be able to. Box it up, box it up, box it up there. How do you, yeah. How, how do you keep yourself sane? Because even you box it up, like you said, because I'm not going to say the other word, sorry. How do you keep yourself sane at the end of the day and not, you know, not turning around because a lot of people don't know how to handle the stress. And if it's too much at work, they will explode or implode at home. But how do you keep that balancing act to do not lose it at home? It's probably being a terrible person, right? I, I actually don't know how I compartmentalize so well. There's the big word for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's, it, it, I have never been one. Well, I might consider, right, or, or if I have something that really bothers me, I might think about it a lot over and over and over and over again. Yeah, but I've yeah. always been also able to eventually just sort of walk away from that. So for me, when I, even though I have a lot of work, and it may follow me home mentally, I also just tend to be able to recognize that eventually and shut it down for myself. Now, that's a very personal thing for me. I don't know that I could necessarily tell somebody else who is sort of the opposite of me and can't let go of those things and can't stop thinking about those. There's no magic to that, right? It's, It's just something that you have to, I, I guess, if you recognize it's something that you are less uh, capable of doing uh, automatically, that it's going to take practice, right? You're going to have to work on it uh, and find strategies that allow you to at least let go of the things that you can let go of. Because at the end of the day, there's very little of this that we can control that is causing us a lot of heartache, most of the heartache that we're dealing with in work is stuff that we can't control. We're controlling our own output. We're controlling our own attitudes. And that's about it, right? And very, very little of that has to do with whether or not your company is going to let you go at the end of the day. Because if they have to make a financial decision, it may not make any logical sense to you whatsoever. So I there's know. nothing you can do, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. And, and if you have talented individuals, then you have to part away and you connected with those people, I think it's the hardest part to, to see them go. It's like, because you can connect in and you have bonds with people. So I think, you know, it's, you know, it's not easier for an employee, but when you're in a leadership position, it's probably even worse to see that you see people who are good people who are um, essential for the company go. And that's, I think I will have a hard time or the bottle of cognac will be empty. I will need a lot of refill of bottle of cognac on that because this is hard. Yeah. I mean, the, the days uh, that I've had to say goodbye to friends, you know, I would consider them friends uh, have absolutely been the hardest days uh, of my working career and some of the hardest days of my entire life. Right. Because you know, know. even though, you know, they're going to be fine. 
right? Your time with them right now is coming to an end. And that's always a hard thing. I know. And it's like balancing that, I think it's one of the hardest things when you're in a leadership position, because it's like, and it always goes in cycle uh, when they do um, layoff and stuff like that. But it's, it is hard. There is some, you just see them walking and say, yeah, they're going to do something better because they need to do something better. It wasn't the right position for them or whatever the deal was. But for some others, it's like, whoa, it's like ripping the bandit a little too hard. And it's like, well, yeah, that's not a pleasant ride. So that's so yeah. I was curious as a leader, how do you handle all of that, all of the changes, all of the uncertainty? And um, with how do you deal with, um, because you do hear rumors, how do you deal with things that maybe are shifting within the company? Uh, and uh, prepare your team for those changes. So it's not only, you know, um, layoff, but maybe there is some uh, reorganization and people are shifting roles. How do you prepare your team when, you know, people are used to do what they're used to do to do in their roles? And also then they're going to be shifting and do something slightly different. How do you approach that as a leader to let know people? Because, you know, changes, everybody do not want to go through changes because we like our own habits and we're scared to maybe if we're expanding, we're not going to fail. We're going to fail at it because we're not used to it. So how do you do as a leader approach um, the people and prepare your team for changes in their jobs? So first of all, my I guess the, the first thing that I always have to be conscious of is to avoid being part of the rumor mill. Right. We will hear the rumors. We will yeah. absorb some of those. But I've I've had to very consciously because you don't want to be the gossip. Right. You don't want to be the the one as a leader. It's not a good look for most people. Right. To be the gossip there. There are positions that that's the whole job. But the the as a general leader, if you're spreading gossip, uh, you lose a little bit of credibility. Right. So the first thing that I try to do um, is remind myself that I can only control what I can control. And if you're in that mentality as a leader, you can then demonstrate that mentality for the folks on your team because they are very likely going to not be in control of those changes that are coming their way either. And if you've done your job properly as a leader, you've been finding small ways to stretch your people all along the way, right? By the time change arrives, they should be prepared for change in subtle ways, right? They may not be prepared for the exact changes that are about to hit them, but they have been prepared for change by you looking for opportunities to stretch them. Um, you stepping in and complimenting them, right? And, and providing that feedback uh, that has boosted their own image of them, right? Or it has expanded their own image of themselves so that when they all of a sudden are handed something that is different or handed something that is expanded, they've already got the mentality to absorb that, right? I think the hardest thing that you could possibly do is take somebody who has not been complimented on their work for years and they've been doing the same thing, right? I, I have in my head somebody who's just sitting, you know, hunched at their computer doing data entry and never doing anything else. And it's all just data, 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 and nobody's ever talked to them. They're in the basement. Uh, and all of a sudden you come to them and you say, you now have to, you know, yeah. take direct customer calls. Yeah. That's the type of thing that will completely destroy somebody, right? So if you've been a good leader, you've already been working them towards 
maybe not the direction that the company is going, but just a direction, right? If they've got a vector, if they have a line and they're in motion, then they're much uh, more ready to deal with any change that comes their way because they're, they've already got the momentum. Their, their inertia is not sedentary. It's not just keeping them in one spot and suddenly they have to totally flip into a whole new direction. So at least um, from what I'm hearing from you too, is that you're going to try to connect with the people, with your team and figure it out what other skill set they have. Yeah. Exactly. Not- noticing the things that are unique to each individual, what are strengths that they have that you can play up, right? If you see other opportunities, if you know change is coming and you know somebody's going to be impacted, whether or not it's going to be them, right? But you know that your team is going to be impacted and it's going to be a headcount thing. Look around, right? Your best person, as much as you may want to hold on to them, they may be the one who is the perfect person to suddenly offer you know, or, or not push, but, you know, to, to show them another path that they might consider, uh, that would be the next best step for them. Right. I, I guess the hardest part for me as a leader is remembering that my job is not to hold on to every great thing that I've got right now. I'm not meant to just hold on to it and smother it. I'm meant to actually help it grow and go out into the world. Right. And if you do that as a leader, if you build up enough leaders who are coming on behind you, you are automatically successful as a leader. It's, it's, you know, you're, you're out there with other people and you're helping them grow and people then look to you, even though you don't feel like maybe you did all that much, right? The, the job itself, you might not have, I, I guess this is one of the things that I deal with. I look at what I do and I go, I'm not really that good at that part of my job, but if I've got all of these talented people and I'm helping them grow, that's looked at as being high praise. You know, that's that's what leaders are meant to do. So yes, they're meant to uh, encourage others to get outside of their little comfort zone and do something new, so they can at least expand their skill set. Now, you know, we we it was based what we talked about. Just if people, you know, you have a force reduction. Now, let's say in a case where you don't have force reduction, but also then the upper management decided, well, you know what, guys, what you're doing is cool, but we're going to make you do more things and different things. So in those roles, you're going to, how do you approach this to your team that just said, okay, guys, we're good, but now we are going to be shifting what you're doing right now. We're going to make you do something different. How do you approach that? And um, how do you decide, or I don't want to use the word decide, but what makes you take the decision to uh, give some stuff to some and other will do something different? If, um, if someone said, well, I could do the job, then you're going to give to somebody else's and you realize that that person is not, you don't feel is strong enough to do it. So again, this is one of the things that hopefully you've been taking the right sort of motions all the way along, right? Because it's much easier if you've got a team that's that's used to having small, I guess, outside project type things thrown yeah. at them or requests yeah. that may not be in their main job, but hey, can you come help me with this? I think that you'd be a, a really good or had a really good perspective on this. I'm being asked for this, but you know, what do you think of that? Giving them those types of opportunities along the way when it's low stakes. Uh, will make this type of a scenario much easier. So I don't know how you do that when you've been a terrible leader all the way along, right? Uh, because uh, that's that's going to be a learning moment for you just as much as it is for the the people who are getting forced into something else. But 
the if the company is just taking more work and putting it on your plate without really the compensation to go with it, right? Because that's every everything these days yeah. seems to be squeezing more blood out yes. of less turnips. Yes. Um, the I guess and, and now more than ever, right? There's a focus on on mental health, uh, which is very very good and very healthy for mm-hmm. the world. Because I think that for the longest time the response to that would have been, you just do it, right? You get it done. And if you just work it done and get it done, then you'll be like, then you'll be the good employee and then you'll get all of these rewards. And I think we know that that's not the case, right? You you can work yourself. Yeah. The donkey you can work. carrots doesn't work. Uh, that's... Never worked for me, but for some people it did for five minutes, but for me it never worked. So I'm like, no, I'm not. It's how do you assign it? And the other question will be on this one is if somebody wants to volunteer on those projects, but you know, maybe it's not their, uh, it's more, more in their weakness and not in their strengths. Do you help them to go through it or do you make them, you know, try to tell them that's maybe not the right project, you got something else better? How do you approach that? Because if it's not in a, you know, will house, how do you deal with that? It's going to be situational, but I had an example of exactly this thing, right? We asked for volunteers, and I think that you're going to find that if you ask for volunteers for something, more often than not, the people that you would have identified in your head as having been good for that will probably raise their hand because they probably recognize just even if it, even if they don't know it, right? They just recognize the things that they might be good at anyway, right? They're more inclined subconsciously to go after those things. At least I hope they are. But... I just had an example of uh, something that needed to get done. It had a deadline uh, and that we asked for volunteers uh, and there were two people who raised their hands and one of them was exactly who I would have expected to go after this type of a side project. And another one was not. Uh, And my decision was to let them both go after it, right? And this was hard for me because it ended up causing more work for me specifically. This is something, this was uh, a project that I could have just done myself, but I needed to let other people into that space, right? I can't just be me doing it. Um, So giving that person the opportunity to go through it, there were were a few moments, right, behind closed doors, just in the privacy of my home home where there was some swear words bantied about because uh, (laughs) of of what the result of that was. (laughs) Then I had to go back in and kind of fix some of that stuff, you know, but that's the type of opportunity, even if it's even if it's them getting through that and recognizing, oh God, this is not the thing that I should ever, you know, do yeah. again. Having had that opportunity is almost as important as having the opportunities to do the things and shine at the, that they're really good at, right? Because at some point they're gonna not be in the job that they're in right now. And they may have somebody come to them and say, do you think you could do this job? And it's very similar to that thing that they tried and were terrible at, and they will know they'll make a better decision given that opportunity earlier on to have experienced it. So I am open to people practicing in their weaknesses and encouraging people to work in their strengths, I guess is the best way to say it. Wow. Okay. Not a lot of people who have done that, actually. There are a lot of people who have said, no, you're not doing it this way. You're not doing it now. And uh, uh, give it to the person who, like you said, recognize that it will take upon it and they are capable to do it compared to the person who 
is not uh, familiarized with the process and the project and you know go and go messy basically <laughs> and give you some more gray hair on the top of what the gray hair you already have so it's like oh my god and that's where that's where the situational piece comes into it right because there are certain there are situations where you can't in any respect do that or your whole system is going to fall apart right you may have something that is just so important that it gets done right the first time that you don't have the flexibility to do that but finding finding those moments where hey you know what it's okay if we have a little failure uh, here we can we can use that as an opportunity taking those opportunities when they come is is pretty valuable so at the end of that project, is that person recognized that they needed more practice or they, it wasn't for them? Or did they acknowledge the fact that, okay, this was hell and no, thank you. I will stay in my line. What was there at the end for them? What did they thought at the end of the day? That's one of those tough conversations that you have to have as a good leader uh, with that person to say, okay, you're the good first attempt, right? Yeah. <laughs> is probably the, the nice way to go. Good first attempt. Uh, and here's what I would have done differently uh, in this scenario. And here's why, right? Not just not just try to be who I would have been, but here's the thought process behind what I would have done there. So that at least even, even though they know, because they knew, right, going through it, it was a struggle for them. If, if they came out that bad, or if the product came out that bad that they were working through, they knew, you know, it, the, there's very few people who would look at that and go, wow, I really killed it on this one. This is great. Um, so if you have those tough conversations with them and do it in a constructive way that isn't just ripping apart what they've done, but helping them to to see what they could have done differently, um, then, yeah, like that's the best possible scenario coming out of that is to actually, I guess, be open to those conversations uh, which is what I did in this situation. And and that person, they they knew it, right? It was a struggle for them. And I, I the extra time that I had to spend, right? And devote to this that I, you know, if I had done the whole thing myself, it's probably, it still would have been more work for me. But uh, the intent of me providing the opportunity for others was to to allow me to put my efforts elsewhere. So it did actually take back some of my own personal time, probably yeah. to go through this with them. But I guess that's what we do as leaders, right? That's kind of what we're in in for. Well, but this is nice to hear, at least because I have not uh, known a lot of uh, leaders who have done what you have done. Most of the time, they will pick the people they know they will deliver and uh, leave everybody on the side so that nobody would have had a chance to at least try or attempt to do something different. Because I've not yeah. seen that. I've never heard that. That's why I wanted to have some of your feedback on that a complicated uh, question I had, which was very simple to answer, actually. (laughs) 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 But you put your translator on, which is good. So, but it's like having um, an opportunity to work. That's what I I love to work with you and Jenny, because for me, uh, having such open leaders empower others to, uh, you know, to be who they are, but push themselves to do something different or try something different, knowing that, hey, it might or might not work, but I'm gonna learn something at the end. And that's that learning at the end, that's for me, it's key because the next project the person's gonna work on, it gives a possibility for them to take that, what you taught them, what you, your feedback and apply it to the next one. It's maybe not gonna be perfect, but it's gonna help them 
to not like feel like it's a failure. I'm never going to do anything like that, but give them an opportunity that, hey, if I try it again, then I have a base and I can go about to see how I can get it done. Most of us have been bad at something at some <laughs> point in our careers, right? We've, we've failed. So it's always me looking back at the things that I've that I realized, wow, I really sucked it up on that one. I just couldn't, you know, pull it off. Uh, and looking back and saying, okay, how would I like to have come out of that? And that's what I do, right? That's what I try to do at least is, is treat those folks that I'm blessed to lead the way that I would have hoped to have been treated, uh, in my rougher spots. Yes. Yeah. Because that's not, yeah. Because leadership is something that you build it up and you do have to have empathy and some compassion on things you're doing and go back and revisit what you have done, which I like because you, at least you take example of what you have done in the past and don't want to um, basically reproduce because a lot of people will take those patterns that they have been through and will do it and apply it to the, to their team, which is so wrong instead of learning from it and said, okay, this is not something I would like to treat my team. I'm going to go at the way I wish I was treated, yep. which help a lot of people and boost up that confidence, that teamwork. And I still do not like the word teamwork, but boost it up and uh, really uh, bringing out the best of people out of it too. And always having people who volunteer or go the extra miles that most leaders cannot get people moving forward or doing the extra, but being able to the way you're, you're doing it and Jeannie and everybody that I know over there have been pushing people beyond limits or beyond everything's possible, but just giving such a great result at the end of the day and being able to work together in a good atmosphere, even if some days we don't feel like it's a good day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's yeah. too many fires to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we know it? Yes, we do. <laughs> Fire, fires are better when you have friends, right? Fires exactly. are better with friends. Yes, because you need the sarcasm to go through. This is what I miss the most is the sarcasm and the laugh and humor in that. That was just awesome. It's how to handle, how to be graceful under fires. And I think uh, you and Jeannie had, I don't know how you, you pulled that together because I don't know how that many people who would be uh, calm under everything that was thrown at us when we were working on those projects. I have no idea how you kept it calm and collected. I think I think it's it's projecting an image of calm and collected when you're panicking on the inside, right? That's certainly a skill yeah. to build up as a leader is is being able to put on the positive face because there's nothing going to be solved by the negative side, right? If you get negative with your team, that just all of all of that just leads to a downward spiral. So the I don't know how we did it either because it didn't feel like it to me, right? But as long as it <laughs> felt like it to you, then it was a success. You yeah. Know, sitting, it's like, so let's figure it out. And it's like, okay, we can do it. Yeah, no problem. And but watching the two of you was like, wow, I never saw two people that calm because surely I saw Meldon on others, but you guys were like, Okay, how we do this? Because you know, and the tone, the tone, and the energy around the two of you are always amaze me because it's like, oh my god, <laughs> I don't know how you did it. I don't know. A lot of cognac. A lot, lot of cognac. Lot of cognac. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. This is what it's amazing. It's when you, like I said, every decade I met great leadership and I wish I would meet more people who have such um, an open mind because I think to be a leader for what I've seen and witnessed is the uh, being open and listening and seeing the people, seeing your team, not one or two person that can maybe bring you coffee, is seeing everybody. And that to me is something that is essential for really building up your team. But this is what I saw with you guys. It's that, and it's the fact that like you and Jeannie will walk in the morning around and say, good morning, this, and by name, first name was like, holy she remembered my name. I'm like, this is cool. Everybody walking and just, connecting with people even for a minute or two and asking how your day is going you know that's been the hardest thing frankly about the pandemic and a lot of people working from home is that you don't have some of those personal opportunities or or you have to do some of those same motions but in a very electronic way and still bring across the heart that you feel right and and to to be authentic with people over the internet is a little bit more difficult right so that's been a struggle and i and i've certainly seen within my own team, right? Everybody is doing well, right? The performance is still there, but it, you know, we've, we really struggled early on in the pandemic. I mean, we were having daily meetings with people, yeah. right? Where normally, I mean, we, we would not schedule out. I mean, that's taking time out of everybody's productive periods or for people who, you know, are working directly with customers, that's taking productive time out of their space, but it's been, at the end of the day, so critical to keeping our, our cohesiveness as a team, keeping us together and moving in the same direction. Uh, it's, it's been a struggle, I think. It, it is hard because like you said, people were not used to it. For me, I could care less. I could be uh, at my house and in a cave where we cave with windows because we want, we need windows. Otherwise I would turn nuts, but it's like people were not used to be home by themselves or with their children. And then all of a sudden they're cut out of the world. And I think it really throw a wrench into everybody's world because it felt at some point they were having an nervous breakdown or they felt like the world was ready to collapse and they would be swallowed alive. So for their mental health, they were a lot. So it was great for you and Jeannie to do those daily uh, powwow in the morning and afternoon to keep everybody insane because I think you would have not done that that there would be a lot of people who had a nervous breakdown the first week that was yeah. I think the hardest part for everybody to keep insane how can you keep insane when you you know you're bombarded by some news that doesn't make any sense and everybody's freaking out and it's like you were able to do it but you took a lot of energy because Everybody reacted a different way, but some to the extreme, some were fine, but it was like, oh my God, how to keep your team insane so you can continue to work in the, on your projects and dealing with customer service without having a meltdown, you know, doing what you're supposed to be doing on a daily basis. That was, I think, the biggest challenge. And we weren't afraid to reevaluate that either, right? Because it came to the point about a year into all of this that we looked at what was being accomplished on these meetings, right? And you have to you have to keep an eye towards not just doing the same thing over and over and over again because that's what you've always done. So about a year into that process, it's been great. We've had daily meetings. Uh, and then by the end of the year, there's a lot more dead air, right? People aren't yeah. saying things. 
and you're having to pull people out of their shells. So is that productive any longer? No. Uh, And at that point, then we switched up the meetings. Like we turned it into maybe we'll have a Monday and Friday type meeting where we're, we're coming together on Monday. We can share, you know, what's, what's going on for the week. We can have people prepared. And then Friday becomes the decompress and everybody's together and laughing and doing all of these other things. So um, I think being willing to evaluate some of those things and and find the purpose, and or I guess don't forget, I say this a lot, but don't confuse the purpose for the process, right? You're doing it for a reason. Don't, yeah. can, don't just keep doing the process because that's what yeah. you always do. Consider the purpose always. And I, yeah. And I think the beginning, at the beginning, when you guys were doing it twice daily, it, it grounded the people. And I think that was essential. Now, like you said, Monday and Friday, which is, you know, everybody has their routine. Everybody now is kind of used to where we are right now. Uh, it's not as extreme uh, when it was at the beginning where you got a curfew, you got this, which was, you know, people were not used to it. So they all freaked out, which, you know, it's like, oh my God, what happened? The stores are closing at seven o'clock instead than 10 o'clock or open 24 seven. So it was, you know, it changed um, uh, the routine for everybody. So everybody, their bearings were totally off. And it was good that you kept going with those meetings because it helped people to stay grounded and not turn crazy. They probably did turn crazy at one point of time during the day, but at least it kept people, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you're gonna lose it no matter what, but it at least helped them to, to have kind of the support even if it was hard to hear them say, oh, I miss to do this, I miss to do that. And it's like, yeah, they, they miss the human contact. When you used to have so much human contact and you're talking all of a sudden you have all confined, it's like, what? What happened here? It's like, no, no, that's gonna last for five minutes. And it's like, no, it's gonna be stretching for at least two years, but hey, we're going, we're not telling you it's gonna be at least two years, but you know, it's it's been hard. So it's nice to hear that finding the balance along the way and people finding a way because People talk, well, before the pandemic, yeah, but we are not where we are right now and we're never going to go back to the before the pandemic. So you have to adjust and adjusting to changes. So you have to adjust to work from home. Uh, thank God for uh, um, our, you know, the technology that advanced so that helped us to be where we are today. But it's still, we're never going to go back to where we were before. That's not possible. So the changes are difficult when people don't want to change on the top of it or afraid to change because we're changing the way we are compared to where we were before. So that makes it harder. And you can't drag those people, right? The, no. You can't get somebody to do something that they just are going to refuse to do. So you also have to be willing to recognize somebody who is not willing to take those steps and not willing to participate, right? Not willing to adjust to those changes and and allow them the space to make that decision, right? And it may be that they're self-selecting um, to, to go back a little bit, I guess, yeah. to reduction in forces, right? Yeah. They may be self-selecting for not necessarily that they're going to lose their job just because of their one inability to, to move on, but it certainly is helping you as a leader figure out where in your team you're going to make some of those changes to the extent that you can and to the extent that you can help design it, right? You do, it does, all of that information is coming in, right? You're going to eventually put something out. You can use even those negative pieces uh, to help inform uh, the best possible outcome for what is being thrown at you and what you're being expected to change. 
So all of this, have you ever, because we're talking about leadership, have you ever been uh, taking classes? Have you ever had a coach teaching you this? Or did you just learn uh, on the job and for past experience before you were a leader to do not, to be where you are today? What took you in that course to get, and as I said, for me, you and Ginny are the top people I work for. And I, um, and I, I don't do it. I don't say it because it's my podcast. All right. But uh, <laughs> I, I would say I have not seen this kind of leadership in a very, very, very long time. It's a combination of things, right? So I personally have read, uh, I don't know, prob- probably around a couple of dozen leadership books. Not that I could look back to those things and necessarily recite them. I'm not using them as a template but it is something that I have put into my brain so that at least there's a possibility of those same things coming out of my brain, even if it's subconscious, right? So I think that hanging around, uh, as we know, right, the people that you hang around with, the books that you read, the podcasts, the audio, whatever you take into your brain is going to define what comes out of your brain to a large extent. So I have some of that stuff put in, but I also, I think the situationally, right, when you're in those moments, you're not going to remember that a book told you to fail forward. John Maxwell talks about in one of his books, and the one that I can think of, right, the, the, the catchy phrase might come back to you, but yeah. the core content may not. So being a good person, I guess in those moments where you have to actually be boots on the ground and make that decision and always coming at it from a perspective of how would I want to be treated, I think gets you a large way towards making those right decisions. Even if you don't have the, the, you know, the, the leadership manifesto right in front of you, this is what I should do in this situation. But I think that for people, especially who that isn't a natural motion, right? People who aren't naturally inclined to leadership, listening, like anything that you can possibly do to put more leadership principles in gives you the chance to have those leadership principles come back out when the time is, you know, important. Okay. And you're based also on your past experience or also uh, it's a combination. So between the books and your past experience. Yep. And, and for me, Again, I don't remember any of the things that Dale Carnegie told me was a a good thing to do, right? I'd never think about it in that respect. So it's really, for me, it's more about looking at my past experience when when I'm presented with something that I don't know the right answer to immediately. I'm evaluating how would I hope this was handled if it were the the situations reverse, right? If I, if I were the person who was being asked to do something or being told to do something or being told that their job was being eliminated, how would I hope that my manager or the person in, in charge, you know, above me had was treating me in this situ- situation, basically. And to, to that extent, right? So it, it, since we started talking about reduction in force, here's a good thing. I don't know that I should necessarily um, advocate uh, on, on, on a permanent, uh, media to, to not pay attention to HR. Right. But this is one of those moments where you have to recognize, you know, HR may have some limitations. They may have some guidelines about how you have to tell somebody that they're 
positions eliminated or that they're getting moved into a different role or that an entirely different you know type of work is being dumped onto them there may be guidelines but it's okay as a leader to look at those guidelines and say how will my people react to that and is there a better way uh, that they will appreciate me coming to them and maybe it's not me just outright telling them but I can hint at it right I can help direct them I can I can help frame it so that they know that something is coming right you're preparing yeah. them for it and, and in some cases right if you have a really good relationship you can tell them outright and you can tell them I'm you know I probably shouldn't be telling you this but I think that we work really closely and work really well together and I want to make sure that you see these opportunities that are open now that may not be open when the time comes and it's all official let's look at these opportunities now because I think that this is something that you should at least consider. That type of thing, you have to be open to those types of breaking the rules a little bit, right? I'm not implying that you should just ignore HR entirely because they have a job and it's important, uh, but you know, you yeah, got to be but as giving And as giving the person an opportunity to move uh, to something else and give them a chance and, and the opportunity to, to make the decision because at the end they can look at you and they say, well, that's okay. We'll, you know, ride the wave and figure out where we're going to be. Or just said, okay, great. Well, let me look at what we've got over there and have you probably as the soundboard and just said, okay, I see a couple of um, position in here. What do you think would be, you know, because sometimes you need your feedback from your, from leadership, just as, said, uh, just as, you know, just as a sounding board and just said, well, maybe that position here is not good, but position B will be better for you. Why don't you go for it and support them during that transition? Even if you have to let, like you said earlier, someone go uh, because you want to hold on to the people, give them at least an opportunity to, to move on to something else. And you never know because you might in the near future be working again together. You never know. Things to, you know, between companies when they yep. really do their mixing, you never know what you're going to be doing in six months. Maybe they're going to put you somewhere else. It's like, hey, we're back again. <laughs> the band is back, the band reunited. But in the meantime, it's give them an opportunity uh, uh, for them to have a chance to say, no, I don't want to do that. Or yes, I will. Even though, you know, it's sad because it's like, oh, we'll work to well together, but hey, I have a new opportunity. So I'm going to take that opportunity and move forward with something else within the company. So for me, I will probably do what you're doing. I would be inclined to help people to find new position within the company. So they don't take a gamble on themselves and, you know, do something different. I think we think as a leader, right, and in some respects, as, as a leader, you're you're meant to view the company as this monolith, right? It's the company is all important and we're all working for the company and, and we're trying to build the company and all of the, the leadership coming from the very top on down is all the vision for the company. But at the end of the day, the people that you're working with and you your experience of this company is going to be the sum total of the relationships that you had, right? There might be a component of the work output that you had, but everybody who matters in this equation, right, is it, it's all about that relationship that you built. So if yes. you can treat those people exactly like you want to be treated and you can help them 
put out work that is in line with what the company is looking for, I think everybody wins in that scenario, right? And you're exactly right. Exactly. You will you will run into those people or something will come back around from the good that you do uh, yes. to you eventually. Yeah, well, it always does. And I think it's... Um... Uh, I think it's a better option too, especially when you get a people who understand the company and have the skill set to do that. There is no reason to do not give those individuals the opportunity to do that at all. For me, it's like, uh, it will, I don't know, I, I will not be sleeping at night if I had to just, you know, waiting that to let them know where you're going now. And when I knew I could give them an opportunity to do something else and have the opportunity to move on somewhere else for me I don't think it would have been very fair so I would be the same way you know um, to give them the hint and help them to do a transition where they will be happier yes it would be sad because not working together but at the end of the day they were in a better position than um, be having the surprise to be let go and not giving an opportunity to to move somewhere else within the company that would be yeah. I think the hardest part uh, for me yeah. but being in a leadership position, a lot of people want to be there because of the title and everything else, but I don't think they realize the um, responsibility as the leader you've got, because there's more responsibility than the title or the job, because you are building up the team. You are, um, and I, I think I mentioned that in the past to you guys, you know, the cancers start at the top, meaning leadership, if it's poor leadership, then the rest of the team will be poor, not performing right. But I think if you're capable, like you're doing, and Jeannie does, nurturing a team and bring the best out of it, there is the worst we have to deal with, you know, I know <laughs> I will say if there is not well, something is wrong with that picture. But I think the leadership has more responsibility than uh, people realize. Yeah. I, don't know. I think leadership has more responsibility than a lot of leaders realize, right? There's mm -hmm. uh, most people I don't, well, maybe not. I didn't come into leadership with the goal of leadership, right? I came into leadership as sort of a natural progression out of the individual contributor work that I was doing. Um, and, you know, I think most people as they move up, pay is certainly a big part of that, right? Getting more responsibility usually comes with more pay and more pay is incentive for a lot of people, right? And the leadership, maybe not so much. Um, mm -hmm. But if you are given that opportunity, you are given that responsibility to, to figure it out and make mistakes and improve and not just stay stagnant where you're at because the paycheck is good. You need as a leader to, to grow and change just as much as you're hoping that your people are going to do. Right. And I think have empathy and compassion for what you're doing and for the people around. I think empathy has a lot to do with it too, because I don't think a lot of people understand the word empathy and the compassion for what you're doing as well. It doesn't mean you excuse everybody to do not perform well, but being able to recognize, um, even if you don't connect with people at some level, being able to recognize the performance of individuals, not based on how well you get along with, but for what they're delivering as uh, work. The best teachers, when I look back to college, right, it was it was a lot of hard work and, and some of it's a little blurry, but the best teachers were the ones who pushed you, <laughs> right? Be, be, best teachers, we didn't like, we didn't appreciate it at the time, but it was the, 
the teachers looking back, the ones who actually uh, got you your money's worth for for what you were spending, who really pushed you to be a better person and to 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 not settle for you know less than you are capable of, are the ones who got that. And and as a leader, recognizing when it's time to let your your best students, your best people fly. And it's hard to let them go because that means that it's going to be harder for you. But look at it. Take a step back. You're one of those people too, right? If everything is getting, you know, if 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 your whole world is falling apart in your role and you're letting mm-hmm. the best people go, you're probably next. <laughs> so, right? You got. I mean, you, you you know, we're all kind of in that same boat when it comes to the company. The company is its own thing and the company will do great and or it will not do great based on its own decisions but your role is your relationships with the people that you're interacting with directly uh, as much as possible so let let the winners win let the 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 top people fly uh, when the time is right and how do you deal because you know when you take more on roles in leadership how do you balance this with your personal life because you know it requires you as a leader to spend more hours uh, than um, most people so how do you balance all of this well i think first you advocate or you have a company that is already recognizing that that's the ideal state is uh, especially again with with a lot more focus on mental health I think a lot of companies that may not have had a focus on that before are re- recognizing that the that there needs to be that life balance uh, mm-hmm. with work. Yeah. Um, and you have to work on your personal in-home relationships in the same way that you're working on your relationships with the people at work. Um, not necessarily in the same words, right? I, I get to the end of my day and, and my wife is, is trying to tell me all about this stuff. And I'm like, I just don't have any more words today. Sorry. I used them all in my meetings. Uh, I, I, I can't go through it, but it takes patience, takes all the virtues that we, you know, we all know that it takes, right. It's just finding the time to, to be authentic at just as authentic at home as you're trying to be authentic with the people at work. Um, and it's okay to share your frustrations. It's okay to share where you feel like you're falling down because they see the people around you, right? Whether it's a spouse, whether it's your children, whether it's, you know, your parents, no matter who it is, they also in our, are in a position to provide you advice that even if they aren't the type of person that you would look to to emulate as a leader, right? Maybe your parents weren't that awesome. They still have a perspective that you can use and value uh, and put to work. And even if that's a negative perspective, right? If, you, if you've got a bad relationship with the people around you uh, and you're struggling with that, you can still use that uh, and uh, I guess bring it uh, as an example of something that you don't want to do. Right. There's you can use everything that's being thrown at you in some way for good, I guess. And and trying to be open and share and devote time to what matters most is the best advice that I think I could possibly give. Uh, I don't know that I do a great job of it all the time, but um, remembering that work isn't everything and that you need to maintain outside relationships just as much as you need to maintain those work relationships. 
Which makes sense. Which totally makes sense. Love it. Yeah. Taylor, that's if, a great conversation right there. I'm telling if you. only we had 30 hours a day, we could oh all my, we could all do it all. God, yes, we could, but unfortunately we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I would my my extra six hours, I'll be honest, I'm gonna sleep. I'm not gonna build nothing with them besides dreams, because I yeah. Yeah. I, I, the introvert in me had no problems when pandemic rolled around and we were working from home. I just roll out of bed, roll back into bed. It's great. So thank you for joining me this time around uh, because it was quite some time we have not uh, met um, and talk about leadership. But I think this one was a very good one. And I think a lot of people are going to enjoy to listen to leadership because I do talk to coaches and stuff like that who are actually helping uh, leaders and people but it's nice to have a different view from leadership directly and what your philosophy and the view is because when people are going to listen to this episode it's going to give them an idea on how to conduct themselves in a way that maybe as a leader never thought about it so it's going to help some people somewhere Hopefully in the United States, not all around the world. It can be around the world too, because I um, listened about over 80 countries, but in the US could be helpful as well to modify how they are leading their team. Well, it's been my pleasure. And I, I hope that uh, I hope that the words that I've said, right, go out and, and oh, bear, yes. bear fruit for somebody else somewhere. I hope so too, and I'm sure it will because as I said I'm I have what I'm on 12 different platforms. So every time I release one, it goes to a bunch of other things. Like I have radio, you got Apple, you got Spotify. So a lot of people are listening to those. But I hope it will inspire people who are in leadership and maybe cannot afford a coach uh, to listen what you said and take some of those thoughts and apply it in their own life and team and see the difference they're gonna make in their team. Because I said, I've not met that many uh, great leaders uh, running teams like I've seen. I said, you guys were like my favorite team ever. So I'm like, yeah, going back over there, yeah. You know? But it's always nice to see really teamwork at its best. Even, I agree. In a, even under fire, under whatever we're throwing, is to see how you guys were able to keep it together, move it forward, and get things rolling. Because to me, a lot of leaders, when the first sign of uh, issue comes, they all lose their patience and they're losing it. <laughs> like, oh God, here is a screaming, stressing out. But you never show that. And that, to me, is a really good sign of what a leader are you? one of the best one that I've seen in a business so far. So, and I've been around the block quite a long time. So it's nice to have you on board. Uh, and uh, I, if people wants to um, provide comments, they can connect directly on www.edgintuitive.com. I will not give Josh email because I'm sure they will be bombarded by a request. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, they can... They can email me. I'll just get to it about as fast as I get to all my other emails. So yeah, <laughs> it'll be a while. Yes, yeah. exactly. But no, it's always a pleasure to have you uh, uh, coming and join me. And yes, we will have more uh, conversation with Josh because I still want to know how your daughter is doing with everything. And, you know, I want to know when she's going to go live because I really want to see the video, even though I don't play a video game because after a minute I get bored. 
probably get pissed either way, bored or pissed, whatever <laughs> comes first. But it would be interesting to see what she does when she goes live um, and pop and you know publish some of those because I would love to see that. So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Oh, uh, you're love welcome, being here. and uh, I hope everybody enjoy it. And I will talk to you later. Bye now. Bye.